sing a song called God Problems this morning. It's about those problems in our lives that we can't have any earthly solution for, that only God can fix. And it's a good thing because we weren't meant to fix them. There wasn't an earthly solution designed for them because we weren't meant to get the glory for them. All God asked for us was not to fight our own battles. He asked for us to surrender our battles to Him. So today we're going to learn how to surrender a little bit more to our King, to our Lord, to our conqueror, to our strong tower. That image of a strong tower is so prevalent in this song that I did a lot of research this week trying to figure out if there was some sort of hidden interesting meaning to why towers existed in ancient or biblical times and I would love to tell you that I found something mind-blowing but I found a very basic concept that towers are made for defense that when people are under siege that is where they run to when the land's under siege the people ran to the tower for protection and so I looked for a verse about a tower in the Bible and there were plenty of them and God instead decided to draw me to a pool and in John 5, 2, God said, trust me, there's a connection here. So I'm asking you to follow me along with this for a second. John 5, 2, it says, Now there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. So I decided to look up Bethesda because I said, God, that would be lovely to create a little Bethesda in here this morning, to create a place where people could do some healing with you for their God problems. But what does that have to do with the tower? And I actually looked up Bethesda and historians have done it shockingly incredible job of recreating what Jerusalem looked like at that time by all accounts. And wouldn't you know it, Bethesda lies right along the wall of Jerusalem. And right next to that wall, right in front of Bethesda, is a strong stone tower. And in the shadow of that tower lies Bethesda. If you need to do some healing today, the shadow of the Almighty is here to lay the ground for you. I'm gonna do something a little daring today because I think that solving some God problems requires a little bit of boldness. I asked the team to do something with me this morning before we even started practice. We actually took a moment of silence and I took anointing oil and I dipped my fingers in it and I drew a circle around this stage. Nothing magical, nothing mystical about that. It is a declaration to God of our intentions for this morning and an invitation, both for the Spirit and for you. Because see, we're in His tower right now. We're in His refuge. So let this be your Bethesda. See, the Spirit's been stirring up the waters. So if you've been waiting for a movement of that water, here's my invitation. The altar here, everywhere around this stage, this is open for you. I don't care what your problem is. I don't care if it's physical, mental, emotional, relational, doesn't matter, financial. But I've done a lot of work at the foot of an altar, at the foot of the stage. And by I've done a lot of work, I mean I have gotten down here on my knees and said, this is all I got. 
And God has done more work in me than I could ever explain simply by surrendering. So I invite you as we worship, whether you want to do it now, whether you want to do it in the middle of the song, second song, doesn't matter to me. You can sit, you can cry, you can kneel, you can jump. But I want you to look your God problems in the eye and then lift them to God. We're going to be stirring up the waters of our hearts today. We're going to be stirring up some praise. We're going to be stirring up our faith this morning. Because the angel of the Lord has come. and He has touched this place to be able to heal some people. And I want to honor him. I want to thank him. And I want to join in with that healing he wants to do. So let's pray together before we worship. Lord Jesus, you alone have supreme and complete control over this earth and everyone and everything inside of it, God. God, you have the power to heal every body, rob every gra gra grave, God. You have the power to change professions and bank accounts, God. You have the power to reconcile people who have never, ever done anything but fight, God. You can bind the broken, God. You can change the impossible, God. You are a God of the impossible. God, may we not doubt you. May we not waver. May we instead lean full force into our faith of you, Lord Jesus. May we come before you at the altar today with our God problems laid bare, not to grieve or to mourn, but to rejoice because you alone are the victor and we will give you this victory in every single circumstance. We love you. We honor you. And right now, we're going to praise you and join with you. And it is your holy and almighty name that we pray. Amen. There's just some problems only God can fix. There'll be some moments that just don't make sense. And I've seen it happen time and time again. There's just some problems only God can fix. And there's just some battles flesh and blood can't win and there'll be some moments that just don't make sense I can't see it now but I'm still convinced that there's just some problems only God can fix not by power not by by the spirit of the living spirit of the living god it's not my battle it's not my fight but by the spirit of the living spirit of the living god only through you through your strength and your will I've seen a breakthrough that I can't explain. I found a healing hidden in my pain. I know a dead man 
that will trouble grave. I've seen some breakthrough and I will again. Not by power, not by might, but by the Spirit of the living, Spirit of the living God. It's not by battle, it's not by fight, but by the Spirit of the living, Spirit of the living, by the Spirit, by the Spirit of the living, Spirit of the living God. Your our own foundation, my fortress, my refuge, still a strong tower, still a strong tower, my helper, defender, still a strong tower, still a strong tower. Oh, oh, someone let the people know anything is possible. Oh, Will prosper, still a strong tower, still a strong tower. My fortress, my refuge, still a strong tower, still a strong tower. My helper, defender, still a strong tower, still a strong tower. Oh, someone let the devil know, tell him that he's gotta go. No weapon will prosper, still a strong tower.
this victory for every victory he's my hiding place he's my hiding place he's my hiding testimonies that you just ignited and stirred up in us that we love not our own lives even unto death so help us to turn from this earth this morning God and turn towards your kingdom you can have it all and you can have it all I am laying down my life no matter what the cost 
Only Jesus, all my days. No greater treasure, no sweeter name. The cross before me, the world behind. I have decided only Jesus. You can have my heart, you can have it all, I am laying down my life, no matter what the cost, and you can have my heart, and you can have it all.
I say yes, yes, yes. I say yes, yes, yes. As long as it takes for me to get to the place of surrender, I'm gonna stay right here. I'm gonna stay right here. As long as it takes, I'm gonna make get to the place of surrender. I'm gonna stay right here. I'm gonna stay right here. As long as it takes for me to get to the place of surrender, I'm gonna stay right here. And I'll say yes, yes. words 
I end up singing in worship times is the word still. Like, I still believe you are. Like, I still believe that you are who I know you are. I still believe it. And usually that still is up against the background of a really hard situation. And for weeks now, Kyle and I, as we've been going through things, just not us, but in life, right, that you carry as pastors, as bosses, etc., you find yourself wanting to be the might and the power. And what I keep saying to him is the scripture, the heart of the king, the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. The heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. The heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. And when you get a hold of that scripture, you start to realize how many kings there are in your life that have power that have influence, that yes. you feel like have some say, you get to the point where you're feeling like doctors are that people sometimes, mm. medical reports are that, financial reports are that, business is that, your family dynamic is saying that, your family history is saying that. And these whispers become the voice of a king. But the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Yes. And that's the thing that we have to continue to remember. Like, I have decided only Jesus. Like, if, if you don't know, this is my actual son. <laughs> like, he's the son of the house, but this is my actual son. <laughs> so I have the ability to understand that when he sings that, he's been through things. Mm. And he will, because it's earth, go through things. And when we sing that as individuals, and when we sing that as a house, it's got to mean something. Yes. And it has to have had a cost. We don't get up here and just say things that aren't real and aren't true yep. and aren't authentic. Yep. So when I tell you, church, that you have to remember sometimes that the hand of the king, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, I mean it from a place of, I will survive. Yes. Because God is still on the throne. Yes. And he is still, he is still, he is still exactly who you have read him to be Ooh. and celebrated him to be when things yes. were wonderful. Yes. Remember how you were like, oh, thank God. I don't know how you did that. Thank you, Jesus. And you just went on your way after you had begged for like three years for that breakthrough of something and it happens and then it just diminishes in the light of the next thing that you need yeah. him to show up for. Yep. Still. 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 Don't worry about Margot's testimony yeah. to remind you, oh, that's right. He is good still. Yeah. You go back to you. Come on. You go back to where God Come has on. showed up himself yes. to yes. you where yes. you didn't even recognize that it yes. was God himself showing yes. up to you yes. where you didn't even realize that it was God himself that intervened for you that protected you that withheld something from yes. you for your good that bestowed Ooh. something on you for your good yes. it was God every time yep. it didn't belong to a man it didn't yes. belong to yes. a woman it didn't belong to a yes. corporation That's it didn't right. belong to a bank That's and it right. certainly didn't belong to me yes Come on. Only Jesus Hallelujah. brought those things in my life. Yes. Only, only yes. Jesus. Yes. Come on. Woo. Come on. Give God some praise for a testimony Woo. that he has done already in your life. Man, I'm so glad, D. That's so good because it's so true. Not by, I have to be reminded, not by power. It's not really my battle. Oh, I'm in the battle, but it's not my battle. And if you're like me, many times I think, uh, I know God doesn't need my help, but sometimes I think God needs my help. And I think the real problem is I don't actually see God as my help. And that's where my flesh gets involved. 
Because if I actually really believed God is my help, then I would get out of the way and let him be my help. Because I know I got nothing compared to him. The words that we prayed today, I pray that they enlighten your soul today. I pray that they give you peace, not my battle, it's not my fight. Tell the people anything is possible. Tell the devil he's got to go. Sometimes we just got to get up and say, devil, no, now go. I love when Jesus is tempted because we think that Jesus doesn't understand. But he was tempted just like us. And the devil came and he spoke all these things. And every time the devil said something to Jesus, Jesus said, no, the word says, now go. No, the word says, now go. How many situations today do you need to say, speak to, no, the word says, now go. It's not your battle. It's not your fight. But it is his. I love that the Lord taught us how to pray through the Lord's prayer. We're going to do that right now. And I, and I think it's so spirit-led in this moment. Even though we had a plan, it's spirit-led in this moment because the, the, prayer, the Lord's prayer is such a moment of surrender. It, it really is the recognition that He is lifted up and we're not. He is the provider and we're not. He is able and we're not. He is powerful and we're not. It's His will, not my will. We have to, some, the Bible says, with the tongue come words of life and death. Sometimes we need to speak things out that we know so that they bring life into the circumstance. So can we just lift up our hands and pray this prayer together? If you're comfortable, just lift up your hands. The words are going to be on the screen. But this is how the, Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and everybody said amen and amen jesus be glorified in this place Hallelujah! Let your prayer be yes and amen because you bought it on the cross. Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, you're the mighty warrior. Hallelujah. Jesus, hallelujah. And it's so good to see you, church. Good morning. Welcome to Connect Church. It's great to have you here in the house this morning. Not, mm, man, not by might, not by power. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the living God. By the way, you can't buy the Spirit off by your goodness. He is good because He is good. What a God we serve. Hey, I just want to take a moment to thank you for being out here this morning because I know there are many people, and look, we're praying for you. If you're online, we love you. Thank you so much for showing up today. We know so many people because of the storms are without power. The, the, the roads were closed, all sorts of issues. So thank you for braving all of that to be here today give yourselves a hand for that it's huge if you're a guest thank you for coming being here with us today as well that is gigantic you know if you want to find out anything about our church or you if you've been here for a while and you hear us mention things like thy kingdom crumb or uh, the the uh, or our discipleship groups fours or shoulders shoulder or you want to know anything about church 
you can always go to the link that's going to be up on the screen. And that link is everywhere, uh, all over the place. And uh, it's, it's just, it's our QR code. It'll take you to what's called a Linktree site. And it's just, lets you know everything about church. Just where and what and who and when. So it's available to you at any time. Well, guys, I love you so much. Can we give kiddos, can you follow Pastor Lisa and Pastor Kevin out? Give them a hand as they're going church. We love them. Hey, and as you're being seated, give somebody next to you a high five. Tom, it's great to see him this morning in church. We have an opportunity, or I have an opportunity to be the hands and, hands and feet of Jesus and to serve the people. It can't, there's no better honor. I just love serving community. And one of the things when I first joined uh, Connect Church was the offering of love and community as soon as I came through the front doors. I wanted to be a part of that and reciprocate it. Joining TKC gave me that opportunity not only just for myself but also even with my family, my children. My mom nudged me into doing it. She said she thought I should do it. I love the name. Really the name is a catchy name. I was like, oh, that's a cool thing. Yeah, maybe I'll try that. Just knowing that people are coming in a like vulnerable time. Some cars are on the verge of breaking down. And knowing that like people are so humbling themselves and waiting in line, knowing that they're going to be getting fed that week. When you serve with TKC, you have an opportunity to do God's work. At TKC, we exist to help people from all walks of life encounter the tangible love of Jesus through the distribution of quality free food. Together, we can help people in our community feel loved, valued, and seen. It's always great food, it's always free, and it's always on us because He loves you. Thank you for helping to make it happen. And church, thank you for being a part of making that happen. It's so, you know... We have an opportunity, for some of you who may not know, I'm wearing my TKC shirt today, Dee's wearing her TKC hat today. It's, uh, this is our mobile food truck ministry. You saw there some of the footage of, um, w uh, of giving out food boxes, especially during the pandemic and right after the pandemic, and just all sorts of things that we do to bring free food to people. But it's not about bringing food. Food is the means. Jesus is the, is the cause. He's, he's really why we're doing it. And that's, that's what we're all about. We're helping to, to have food. We're helping people to feel loved and valued and seen. And many people ask a lot of times, is it just for people who don't have anything or who would be socially recognized as in need? And we've, we, if you've been here for a while, you know that we have tried to continually reshape the word need because every person has a need, all of us. We have a need to feel seen. We have a need to feel loved. We have a need, a need to feel valued. We have a need to know Jesus. So whether we are the president of the United States or whether we are a pulper on the street, come on, we all have needs. And so this is our greatest cause with TKC is not just to give away food. Food is the means. Jesus is the cause. To give away love. 
And so the reason that we, we uh, you see us in our TKC stuff today, Kara's down there in our TKC stuff, Steph back there is in his chair stuff too, is because we have a 5K run coming up this coming, uh, in the next couple weeks, uh, which is the crumb run, and it helps support those things. It just helps support what we do. So whether you can run, walk, push a stroller, Jamie down here ran with a stroller last time, and he came in like third. It's crazy. Made me feel bad about my, I couldn't drive around as fast as he ran around with a baby carriage. It was crazy. But look, even if you can't be there, support somebody there. Support, uh, you can support um, the run by being a, a part of it. You can find it on the QR code as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It's, look, it costs a lot of money to do what we do. A lot of money. We don't have millionaires who are writing out this check. We have partnerships with people that help provide food. We don't have millionaires writing out checks. How we do it is because people like you give so that other people who don't have can receive. That's, that is, if you want to put in a nutshell, the kingdom of God, that's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of God. We give what we have so that other people can receive what they don't. Jesus gave who he was so that we could receive what we were not. That's the kingdom. Anybody awake this morning? Jake's awake this morning. Thank you, Jacob, for being awake this morning. Fantastic. Well, hey, thank you in advance for, for helping out and being a part of that as well. So are you guys ready for the Word of God this morning? Are you ready for the Word of God this morning? All right, cool. So since you brought your Bible, why don't you open with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis is not hard to find. It is the first book of the Bible. You open it up, it's right there. Genesis chapter 9. We're going to talk about a story. Tom, if you can bring me down just a little bit. Thanks, buddy. Um, uh, we're going to talk about a story we mentioned last week with the son of Noah, whose name is Ham. We're going to talk about how we find ourselves in him, unfortunately, more often than not. And if you need a title to today's message, it's Never Have I Ever. Uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. Never Have I Ever. Never Have I Ever is a game that's played sometimes at parties or at get-togethers. And, and the way that it's played for some of you who are holy and have never played it, it's kind of like this. It's, you ask, it's, it's a quote, Never Have I Ever, and you, ask a, you, you make a statement. And if the person has done that, they take a drink of their coffee or their iced tea. Or their choice, uh -huh, yeah, some of you are not holy, I get you. Or the choice of beverage that you prefer at the time, right? Like never have I ever, right, uh, had a speeding ticket. And everybody in this place would be taking a drink of their iced tea. It's just the way that works. And I think part of the fun of it is that the response of some people that are unexpected. Like, you're like, I never expected Kara would have eaten squirrel. No, I'm not, not her. No way she ate squirrels. No. It's just amazing when you think about that kind of thing. Not them. But what happens in our life when God responds in a way unexpected? What happens when God responds in a way unexpected? Come on, have we ever gone in to see our Heavenly Father and found Him in a different state than we expected Him to be? Like we went in hoping to find him as a healer and instead we found him in the state of being a disciplinarian because God disciplines those he loves. Have we ever gone in to see God expecting to find him as a provider and instead we simply found him as a refuge? Like when he tells Paul, hey, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. 
My grace is sufficient. Yeah, but that's not the state I was looking for you in, God. Have we ever gone in expecting him to be the defender of our unjust situation? And instead we found him in the state of being the teacher of our patience. In this text, Ham, Noah's son, goes into the tent and finds his father in a state he did not expect to find him in. And what's interesting about this, which is so counter to religion, is that religion would look at what Noah did wrong. Noah got drunk. Noah messed up. Noah was like, but God doesn't focus on what Noah did he focuses on what Ham did. He focuses on how Ham saw God, saw his father. And I love the beautiful thing about the word Noah is that the word Noah means rest. My friends, what happens when our rest is not, does not look like we expected it to look? When Jesus says, come to me and I will give you what? Rest. But this does not feel like rest. It doesn't feel like we expect it to look. How do we respond when the God that we see is not the God that we expect? Let's look how Ham responded, and maybe we can learn how not to respond. Noah began to, Noah began, this is after the flood, remember, began to be a man of the soil. He planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. Obviously, he was not drinking iced tea. And Ham, the father of Cana, we talked about last week, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Sham and Japheth took a garment, laid it out on both of their shoulders, and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backwards, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke, when he arose from his wine and knew that his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall you be to your brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant as well. First, can we just say, there's so much going on in this text, isn't there? Come on, there's drinking and nakedness and gossip and dishonor and honor and leaving someone's shame uncovered and actually being a person who covers over the shame with, in order to restore dignity. There's blessing and cursing, words of life and words. There's so much. It's like oh, an entire drama series in one text. And we actually see the result of the end of this verse in what we talked about last week. Ham's children, the Canaanites, they were in the promised land, if you remember. And the promised land is a picture of a disciple's abundant life. And God had placed them there in order to serve them. Because by, how do they serve them? By testing their hearts, testing their faith to make sure that they were pure with God. But in the big picture, in this story, what we can really find is ourselves. We can find ourselves. Because to be honest, it's easy for us to be ham. Not to go ham. I know some of you are like, you gotta go ham. So to be ham. I know we'd all love to be Shem and Japheth. I know that's what we in picture and envision in our life, but 
When the battle comes up, when God doesn't look like he, we think he should, when we fight him in a state different than what we were going in to see him in, many times we respond like Ham does. See, the truth is all of them, all of them, Sham, Ham, and Jephthah, had come through the judgment. They were on the other side of the flood. This is a picture of all of us who've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. Because when you've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, you've gone through the judgment. You've passed through the flood of destruction. All the wrath of God is gone from you. They all were on the other side, but they all didn't respond the same way. And I believe it's a picture of between the differentiating between believers and disciples. Things we've been talking about for years, believers and disciples. Because one of the main differences between believers and disciples is how we handle the Father. How we minister to the one who brought us through the flood. How are you and I seeing our opportunity to minister to God who brought us through the flood even when he does not look like we want him to look in the situation we're in? How do we respond? Come on, how many of us, if the question was ever put to us, never have I ever been offended when God didn't show up in the state I thought he should when I needed him to? Never have I ever walked away both disappointed and a little self-righteous in my indignation when who we thought the Father would be in that moment, he wasn't. Never have I ever talked negatively to others about his church because I was treated a way I didn't think I should be treated when I went into the tent. Never have I ever thought my father should be exactly who my father should be when I think he should be it every time I think he should be it. Come on, how many of us would be drinking of RIC? All of us. All of us. See, the issue, my friends, is how Ham handled the way he saw his father. That greatly affected how he walked into his future. How he saw his father. Notice, it was how the two brothers handled how they knew who their father, uh, knew, knew their father to be that influenced their decision. Ham's decision was based off of who he saw his father being, at least from his perspective. The other two said, no, I know who my dad is. I don't need to see him any other way than I know who he is. And they responded from that place. And I think the issue is for us in our lives today is that believers tend to respond to what they see their father doing or more likely in their perception not doing the right way. But disciples respond to who they know their father to be. Like, I need to tell you, if anybody said to Jake, my son, man, I just saw your dad eating a gigantic bowl of Brussels sprouts. My boy would be like, you are a liar. You are a big, fat liar because I know my dad hates Brussels sprouts. I know you're a liar. Come on, somebody, because I know my daddy. I know some of you are like, you just got to try my Brussels sprouts. My Brussels sprouts. Are no, no. They are small, stinky cabbages. No. Fine, you like them. See, it is not what Ham sees that's the issue. It's the way he sees it. He sees it through natural eyes. 
And he allows this natural scenario to paint a picture in his mind of who his father is, which in turn plants a natural seed in his heart, which produces, come on somebody, a natural response from his life. It was the mind that paints a natural picture of God that plants a natural seed that creates a natural response. We shouldn't be shocked by this. It's a spiritual principle. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 8, when you sow to the flesh, you will reap from the flesh. When you sow, even when it comes to God, when we see God naturally and sow naturally into our life about who God is, out of it will become natural fallen responses. The natural temptation that is within all of us is to see a God situation through natural eyes and natural understanding to see it through the eyes of how it impacts our soul first. Isn't this from the very beginning? Genesis chapter 3. This is how Eve responds. The Bible says in verse, three, in verse 6 of Genesis 3, Eve saw. By the way, it is the same Hebrew word. Come on, somebody. Same Hebrew word that's used here for Ham when he sees his father. Eve saw that the fruit looked good to her. It seemed pleasant to her. It was going to bring wisdom to her. It was going to provide for her. She saw it through natural eyes and she responded despite what God said, despite who God had shown himself to be, despite what God had done in her past. She saw something different and responded naturally. Here Ham is. He's in a new garden. There's a new vineyard. He's standing in a new garden with a new, with a new start, falling for the same old temptation. You and I can come to Jesus, stand in a new garden, have a new start, and still, time and time again, fall into the same old temptation. The same old temptation of the devil that says, believer, come on, look at your situation. What has God done for you? Where is God in it? Surely he isn't who he has said he was going to be to you. Look around. The temptation is for you and I to see God, to see a God situation, to see his church, to see our opportunities through natural eyes. It's all throughout the Bible. If we've, done, we've all done it. Matter of fact, there's this great moment in 2 Kings chapter 6 where the servant of Elisha, if you remember, Elisha was the servant of Elijah, and because he served Elijah, he got a double portion of Elijah's anointing. So he's trying to teach his servant the same thing he learned, which is when you're faithful to the servant, you get a double portion. So the servant goes out, the Bible says in, in, in chapter 6, goes out in the morning to get to Jerusalem Times, right, to stop off and get his favorite Starbucks cappuccino. And he gets it, and, he, and, he, and when he's outside, he sees that there's this army of a king surrounding them. And he gets scared. And he runs back in because he's seeing things through natural eyes. He's like, we're going to die. We're all going to die. We're going to die. And Elisha says, boy, what's wrong with you? There's more for us than against us. And he's thinking, dude lost it. He's been alone in this cave too long. Man's going, woohoo, I've been out there. I saw it. He hasn't stepped outside. He doesn't know what I know. He hasn't seen what I've seen. Pastor, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've seen in my life. And Elijah says, I don't need to see what you see. You need to see what I see. 
And he prays and his eyes are open and the servant looks out and he sees the chariots of the army of God surrounding that moment. He didn't need to see through uh, natural eyes. He had to learn how to see the things through spiritual eyes. It's not negating the fact that there were soldiers there. It is celebrating the fact that the God of gods is bigger than the natural, uh, natural situation we face. It's so easy to do this, to be like the servant, isn't it? To be like Ham. Especially when, we've, when we have been connected to our God more out of our emotions than out of his truth. Now please hear me. This is a major trap in our modern church world. Because in our modern church world, we are constantly teaching people how to connect to God out of atmosphere and inspiration. And I get it, because we've done it. It's so easy in worship to drop the lights and have the sounds and have it right levels and make sure that there's, there's smog and there's lighting and there's, there's environment and there's atmosphere and there's stuff, people in the parking lot and at the doors and making sure everybody to create the right atmosphere. Now, there's nothing wrong with the atmosphere, but what we didn't know when we were doing it is that we were handicapping you because we were training you to only respond to God in that given atmosphere. To only respond when someone preaches and inspires you. Rather than actually learning to respond to his word. When the words are up on the screens, we're not responding to atmosphere. We're responding to truth. Because when we learn how to respond out of emotion, and that's where our first connection to God, our first connection to God is going to lead us into brokenness. Because we are training ourselves not to respond out of truth and celebration of who he is. We are training ourselves to actually uh, to, to, to make decisions out of naturally and emotionally. This is who Ham was. Matter of fact, the name Ham means warm or hot or like hot-headed. Given to emotion. That means if you're warm, come on somebody, you've got one foot in and one foot out. That means emotion sways you which way you're going. God says in Revelation, I'd rather my people be hot or cold than to be lukewarm. The worst thing that we can be is warm when it comes to God because he'll spew us out of his mouth. He's like, this is no good. It doesn't taste right. To make it worse, he's also the baby of the family. Do I have any babies of the family in here? Right? Anybody know any babies of the family? They're like, you know, um, I have my dad wrapped around my little finger. And um, I think that my life should be better than my brother's because I'm the baby. Oh, some people looking at people right now. But what we know is his immaturity in this moment shines through. What we're seeing is a picture of immature sonship. Of immature sonship. This does not not make him a son. It just identifies what kind of son he is. The sonship was taken care of when we came to the cross, but how we respond to our father determines whether we are a mature son or an immature one. Also, can I just say this? Can I just say something? Sometimes the issue is we see the situation before the situation is fully dressed. Sometimes we see the situation before the situation... 
before the situation is fully dressed. And it changes the picture of how we see God in our mind. There, before it's dressed, then we go, oh, but God must not be that. But it's not dressed yet. Can I, no one invited Ham into the tent. He barged in. Sometimes we try to figure out who God is going to be uh, uh, by going into the tomb on the second day. What would have happened if the disciples would have went into the tomb on the second day? Jesus still would have been dead. Guess God isn't good. Guess God can't do it. Guess there's no hope here. Why keep following? He's just going to be dead. Can I just say, sometimes there's a reason the stone remains in place. Sometimes there's a reason the tent flap stays closed to you for a while because we get the wrong impression of God because the situation is not fully dressed yet. Can I encourage us today? There are some miracles. There are some breakthroughs. There are some marriage reconciliations that aren't fully dressed yet. There's some healing that's not fully dressed yet. There's a prodigal child's homecoming that's not fully dressed yet. There's some provision that will change our life that is not fully dressed yet. So we have to learn how to wait at the tent door. Wait to hear his voice. Wait till he calls us. Wait till he's ready for it to be dressed to come out. We need to look. Come on. If we can wait for our spouse to put on all their doohickeys and doodahs before we go out to dinner, we should be able to wait on the Lord until our breakthrough is fully dressed. Come on. Is this the heart of David? Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the miry pity, put my feet upon a new rock, put a new song in my mouth. Is this is what Isaiah, the great prophet says in Isaiah 40 verse 31. Those that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why? Because they learned to wait until the miracle was fully dressed. Until daddy decides to come out from the tomb. To open the flat door of our tent. But look how Ham responds. He, tell, he goes out and he tells his brothers... What's he doing? He's looking for other people to get in wrong agreement with his understanding of who, God, who the Father is. Let me make a post and make sure that I can find other people who will agree with me that church is or is not. God is or is not. My feeling is or is not. The emotion I'm going through is or is not. That's what Ham's doing. And in our world, it's easier than ever to go outside of our tent and try to get in wrong agreements with our soul. Matter of fact, that Hebrew word for to tell means to declare and to make known. He wanted to make known the faults he saw rather than honor the father he knew. He wanted to make known the faults he knew. You know what's wrong with the church? You know what God didn't do for me? You know what I've done and they didn't do this? You know what I've given and they haven't shown up? Immature Sonship looks for wrong agreements. Do you know what makes this worse? The connotation in the Hebrew phrasing is that he actually enjoyed telling them about his father's shame. What a hard issue. 
Maybe it made him feel better knowing that his dad wasn't this high and mighty that he thought he was. It kind of brought his dad down to his level instead of challenging him to go up to God's level. Or maybe he was simply bracing himself, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Because after all, now dad wasn't in the state that he thought he should be in, so it was going to affect his life. I think so often we downsize God in these moments in order to brace ourselves against future disappointments that now are obvious to come because the, situa- the state of things the way they are. We're bracing ourselves saying, I know because of the way that things are, there's going to be another shoe to drop. It's not going to be the same way that I thought. Enter Judas. The Messiah certainly isn't going to be who I thought he would be. So we downsize Jesus. We downsize the vision. We downsize the need for our response, the way we worship, the way we honor what God has given us. We take our 30 pieces of silver and think that it will ease the tension in our heart. We downsize God. And the result of this life is what we see in Absalom. And we've talked about this before in 2 Samuel chapter 15, where Absalom, the son of David, he's sitting out, sitting at the gates of his own situation, trying to get others to come into wrong agreement about his father so that it could help his situation. This is what Ham is doing. He's going out looking for other people, men and women of God in this instance, other people to come alongside of him to tell him, you're right. That is the way God is. God should have given you this. Church should have been that way. You're right to feel this way. Enter Absalom. See, when we are going to others to get into wrong agreement about our Father, rather than going to the Holy Spirit to get get our soul into right agreement about Him, it's immature sonship. When we are going to others to get in wrong agreement about our Father, Rather than going to the Holy Spirit to get our soul in alignment with what's right about him, it's immature sonship. Can, 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 can we all agree on this one big, can we all agree on this, that one of his big first mistakes is that he didn't even go to his wife first. He should have at least went to his wife. Come on. Oh, come on, ladies. Somebody say amen. Man had some, he should have went to his wife and said, this is how I'm feeling. I'm rather emotional about it. Because this is why God gave us wives. Because men are knuckleheads. We sometimes need the wisdom of our bride. I know, Dan, I love, I'm so thankful for the wisdom that God gives Danielle because there's times like, I can't believe, I can't believe, I'm just going to. And she's like, you're a little emotional. Come on, sometimes I need the wisdom of my bride. Sometimes we need the wisdom of his bride. Having the emotion is not the problem. Emotions are great servants. They're horrible masters. Because they will always enslave you. The real issue, my friends, is that Ham, because sometimes we're like, what's the big deal of what Ham did? The big deal is this. Ham didn't do what God did when God saw people naked and broken and in shame. How should he have known? There wasn't word. He didn't need word because he knew who God was. 
When God, Genesis 3.21 says, when God saw Adam and Eve broken, naked, and in shame, he brought a covering made from blood, made from a sacrifice. It is the picture of Jesus who he would give as the Lamb of God who was slain so that the blood could cover our brokenness and shame. Don't we see this even in the beginning of Genesis with the Spirit? What it did over the earth, it hovered and it covered And out of that hovering and covering came light and creation and life. And when we look at what Ham did and we compare it to what Jesus did, Jesus' response to his father was to honor him. To make sure that his father was honored even above himself. To take care of his father's will even before his own will. Ham certainly did not do that because it's immature sonship. Immature sonship looks to take care of its own self before God. See, Ham's actions, although we don't never want to admit it, reveal the value of his relationship with his father. And I would say that his relationship with his father was not very valuable to him because of the way that he responds or doesn't respond and that he goes out and spreads shame rather than covers him with love. Like if I was to say to you, hey, there's a a quarter I saw laying in the corner of that room over there. Very few of you after service would probably go over there and take the time to walk across the room and look for it to pick up the quarter because the quarter doesn't have very much value to it. But if I was to say to you, there's a $10,000 bill over there in the corner, there would be a stampede, right? You would be elbowing people out of the place. It would be WWE in here. You'd be like pile driving people. Give me the dollar. Why? Because of the value of it. Your actions towards something determine the value you have of it in your heart. How we respond to God, his word, his love, his grace. His people determines the value that we actually have with the Father. Not that we hope to have, that we have. The challenge is that disciples don't need to see the state of their Father because they know who their Father is. This is why they could walk in backwards. They walked in backwards because they didn't walk in seeing who he is. They walked in knowing who he is. And there's sometimes we can't see where we're going, but we know who we're going towards. That is what faith is called. Sometimes I can't see where I'm going, but I know. But, but I know, but I know I can't see it. I'm walking backwards. I can't see it. I can't see it, but I know who I'm going towards. Why? That's what faith looks like. That's what the Roman centurion has in Matthew 8 when he comes to Jesus and he's like, Jesus, can you help my servant? And remember, he's not part of the Jewish community. He's not part of the in crowd. He's not part of God's promised people at the moment. Jesus goes, sure, I'll come to your house and help your servant. He goes, whoa, stop. I don't need you to come. Just speak the word because I know your authority is outside of time and space and will come down and enter my house. I don't need you to come. I understand who you are. I don't need to see the situation change because I know who you are. I don't need to see where I'm going because I know who I'm going towards. And Jesus said, man, I haven't seen such great faith in all of Israel. The truth is Shem and Japheth. Why are they blessed? 
Because they respond like God responds. That's why I can say that they reflect discipleship. Because discipleship is not knowing what the Bible says. Discipleship is responding like God responds. I am a follower of Jesus. What do they do? They cover him. They grab a hold of a garment. They pick up the covering. And they walk backwards. Because they don't need to see where they're going. Because they know who they're going towards. And they honor him. By covering his shame. So that he can be restored with glory and dignity and honor. They brought honor to him. Do you realize that faith is what covers our relationship with God in honor? Because it puts into action our love for him. Faith is what causes us to walk backwards. And love is the covering that we, that we bring with us when we come. Because love is a covering. Love is a covering. Love is a covering. 1 Peter 4.8 says, love covers a multitude of sin. So when, we, when, when God's love is our covering, we co- and we cover God's situation or our situation with God's love, then we can have faith and trust Him regardless of we, if we see Him in our situation yet or not. Whether or not it is fully dressed yet or not. Because I've taken the love that God has given me, His garment of love, And I've covered it back, given it back to him. I didn't need to see him. I know who he is. That's why Jesus can say in John 14, 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. What's he saying? He's saying, look, I'm not going to be there. You're not going to see me physically. But when you obey me, you're covering me with love. We don't need to see him. We don't need to see the situation fully dressed Yet, in order to respond with love to God. Romans 1.17 says, The righteous shall live by emotion. The righteous shall live by political correctness. The righteous shall live by the consensus of the crowd. The righteous shall walk backwards, not knowing, not seeing where they're going, but knowing who they're moving toward so sometimes we need to walk back our pride to cover him with love we need to walk back our fear to cover him with love we need to walk back our expectations our disillusionments our insecurities our disappointments with God so that we can actually cover him with love I know we love this verse in Romans 8.28. We use it so often to encourage ourselves about God's going to work things out together for good for us. And I think it's great, except for many times we leave out a good portion of this verse. It says, God works together all things for good for those who love him. Not those who know about him. Not those who go to his church. Not those who have done good things. God works to get all things together for good for those who can walk backwards and cover him with love. Because love allows us to trust before the thing is fully dressed. To trust he is good, not the thing's going to be good. I'll trust you because I know you're going to give me good things. No, God, I'm going to trust you because I know you're good. 
I know you're faithful and true. That's why I can walk backwards and not be afraid. I'm going to walk off the cliff because I know I've got a God that will stop me, come on, before I take the deadly step. But my fear of falling should not keep me from walking backwards in faith. So often our fear of falling, letting somebody down, disappointing somebody, offending someone, not getting it right, making, uh, having issues in my life that, God, that disqualifies me from God, keeps me from walking backwards with a garment of love. I know because I'm walking towards him, he'll never let me fall. He is the lifter of my head. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Because he is the warrior dressed for battle. And can I just say, my friends, in the end of this, what's so beautiful is then, the word says, then, after Hashem and Jephthah did what they did, then we see the father respond to the actions of the boys. Then he arose. It says, then Noah woke up. That word awoke means to awake and become active. See, it was after the boys responded to the father that the father becomes active. He's always been there. He was always in the tent. He was always present. But the Bible says it wasn't until after they walked backwards, after they covered him, then he arose. And then when Noah arose, when he arose, when he arose, when Noah arose, when Noah arose, when Noah arose, he pronounced words of life and of blessing over who? Over Ham? Nope. Over Shem and Jephthah. Why? Because of the way they responded. They were words of increase, of life, of dwelling, of God providing things that would serve their life in the promised land. Why does this matter to you and I? Well, because Shem is the father of the Hebrew people. And Jephthah is the father of the Gentiles. And God says, because you responded this way, Jephthah, your people will dwell with God's people too. And they'll be served by the servants of the promised land. If only Shem had responded. If Japheth would have followed Ham, the Messiah only would have come been able to come through the line of Shem, into the people of Shem, to the Jewish nation. But thank God, Japheth didn't follow and listen and get into wrong agreements to, with Ham to make Ham feel better. So, well, I don't want him to actually go through it alone. I mean, I know it's not right. I know that's not who my dad is, but I don't want Ham to think any less of me. Thank God, Japheth didn't listen to Ham because now we are grafted in. All the promises of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament are ours. The Messiah is opened up to us. Every promise of God is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. He walked it back with honor. And God honored him back. You want to know the biggest picture? Jesus. We can see Jesus in this. Because Jesus drank from the fruit of the vine, of the curse of the land. He drank from the cup of of our sin, the cup of God's wrath. He was laid out on the cross, unable to move because of our sin. He was laid out naked, filled with our shame. And shame 
was looked upon him. He was surrounded by mocking words surrounding him at every place. But when he arose from the effects of the cup, when he arose from the effects of the cup, he spoke words of life and of blessing, of increase and of hope and of a future and of an inheritance and of a promised land to you and to I, Jew and Gentile. The veil was torn in half. Access was open towards God because Japheth and Shem did not listen to him. There is a way for us to come to God. It's time, my friends, to say, never will I ever not cover him with love ever again. Never will I ever look at him through natural eyes again. Never will I ever get into wrong agreements with others at the expense of right agreements about God ever again. Never will I ever take for myself the honor which I should be bringing to him ever again. Never will I ever rush in and not wait for the breakthrough to be fully dressed ever again. Never will I ever not cover him with my love again. If you know Jesus, you've made it through the flood already. This is not about what God gives you. This is about what we give back to God. It's easy in this broken world to see all the things that are naked and exposed and shameful and hurting. It's easy to be a critic and point out all the things that maybe a good God in our view should have stopped. But I don't need to see the situation fully dressed yet. I can walk backwards simply because I knew who he is and I know who I'm headed toward. Now I'm going to let the love that I have cover over any inconsistency that I have in my heart towards him. Never will I ever choose to love myself more than I love him. The choice is what kind of son or daughter you and I get to be. The choice of becoming a son or daughter is dealt with at the cross what type of son or daughter we choose to be depends on how we see our Father. Let's pray. Jesus. There are some problems only God can fix. There are some problems only God can fix. My friends, this whole message has been both a challenge to those of us who have already come to know Jesus, maybe to repent, maybe to ask God's forgiveness, maybe to walk back our pride and walk back our disillusion and walk back our unrealistic expectations and 
walk back our indignation and grab a hold of the garment of love. But it's also been an invitation if you don't know him. The Bible tells us that it was only those who were on the ark that made it through the flood. The only way for us to come to God is not to build our own raft, to make our own yacht, to build our own boat. The only way to get to Father is through the ark of Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not asking you if you've been a part of church before because you're obviously here today. I'm asking you, have you ever stopped and asked Jesus to make you his son or daughter? Stopped and asked him to be your king, your savior, and your Lord. To confess your sins to him and enable him to cleanse you from the inside out. Because the bad news is we will never be good enough to earn God's salvation. But the good news is you don't have to be good enough because he already is. And if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that he died and rose again for us, we enter the ark. Come on. We are already making it to the other side. Today you'll be saved. We're going to just pray that together. And whether you're here today or you're online or you're listening to this podcast later, if you've never made this decision or I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to make it today, it is eternally, it affects our eternity. The decision we make today affects what we are and who we are forevermore. And maybe you've never, maybe you've, uh, maybe you've made this decision before, but to be honest, you're far away from God today. Today's the day to come home and just get plugged back into Jesus. And so today I invite you to pray with me. We're all going to pray together. But you pray from the bottom of your heart and let God intervene and intersect with your life right now. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, here I am today, and I am choosing to give you every area, every bit of my life. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. To forgive me of my sin. To cleanse me of everything I've done wrong. To fill me with your Holy Spirit. To make me your child. To renew my mind. So that I may live for your glory and your glory alone. Now and forevermore. I will never look back and I'm not going back. I choose today. To live full on for Jesus Christ. In your name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, can we give people just, give God, thank you God for who you are. Thank you for decisions being made today for that. My friends, if you made that decision, we are so excited for you who we really are. It's so great to have Pastor Rick and Kathy back in the house. So good to see you guys. You know, that song that we sang today, that first song, God Promised, the very first time I ever heard that, first time I ever heard it, I was on my way to see my father-in-law as he was having surgery. We had prayed for him that Sunday, and Monday he had surgery, and I, a friend of mine and, uh, sent me that song, and just said, uh, just feeling you might need this today. 
And I said, all right. So I threw, on, threw it on. And, hey, this is good. All right, this is good. And then it got to not my battle, not my fight. And I'm driving down 676. I'm not crying. I'm not crying. I'm not, it's, it's hot. I'm not crying. I'm so, and I just put it on repeat and repeat and repeat. And when I drove home, I put it on repeat and repeat and repeat because there are just some battles I can't fight. Been doing this a really long time. Been walking with God over 34 years, almost 35 years. I still need to turn that song on. Speak to my soul. Kyle, get out of the way. You may not see the miracle fully dressed yet, but you can dress him back with your love. I pray this week that this word finds a place in your heart. Thank you for letting me share it with you. I believe, I believe there, we may be some hams in here, but I believe that there are some Jepeths and some Shems rising up as well. Hey, can you just stand with me? I'm going to pray over you before we go. I want to encourage you on your way out <laughs> to honor God with a garment of praise which is your offering. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 9, to honor the, honor the Lord, honor the Lord with your wealth, with what you produce. And then our barns will be overflowing, our vats will be overflowing. Then, 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 to honor God. Part of the garment of praise that we as disciples, as sons and daughters in his house, in his tent, living in his country, in his land, part of the way that we honor him with love is with our offerings. It's a tangible way to say, I'm going to cover you with my love. You can give. There's a, there'll be a slide up there. You can give with these offering envelopes that you can put in those gold kiosks over there. You can give online. You can give by following the QR code. But when you give, some of us need to walk back our worry about our finances. Walk back the lie that church is just about my money. Walk back the lie that I don't have enough. Walk it back. Because this is a garment of love. A garment of love. A garment of love. Let me pray over you. Anybody need a breakthrough? Can, I, can you just lift up your hands? No one's looking around. Can you just lift up your hands? Anybody have a breakthrough that has not been fully dressed yet? A miracle hasn't been fully dressed yet? Anybody have, have some, a voice in their mind and uh, uh, the enemy that's saying, man, just give up, give in. It ain't coming. This is the way it's going to be. 
You just got to learn this is your future. This is your new normal. Come on. We're going to believe for our God to do something today. It's not by might nor by power. Jesus, your word says it is not by might nor by power. It is not by might nor by power. It is not by our goodness. It is not by our holiness. It is not by our works. It is by the completed work that you did on the cross that we are set free and healed by your stripes. Come on. Jesus, by your stripes, there is healing. By your stripes, there are miracles. By your blood, there's a covering, Lord God, on our shame, on our brokenness, on our nakedness. There's a covering of love. There's a covering of grace. There's a covering of honor that you have placed on us that we don't deserve. But we're going to give you all the glory and all the praise before, before we see it fully dressed. We're not going to barge into the tent. We're not going to demand an audience with you yet. Father, we're going to trust that you are fully dressing out that miracle, fully dressing out that breakthrough, fully dressing out that relationship fully dressing out that moment because you are good and we trust what that good looks like we started today daddy by praying let your kingdom come and let your will be done so we're going to end that way too Jesus over these situations come on church that we have lifted up Jesus I don't see them fully yet, but I'm going to walk toward you. Not my will, but your will be done. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen and amen. Amen? Amen. Can we give God one more shout of praise just for who he is? Hallelujah, Lord. I believe him for breakthrough and miracles and signs. Lord God, thank you for who you are. You're a good God. Amen. Hey, church, I love you. I can't wait to see you next week. Check out Ford, Shoulder to Shoulder. They're going throughout the week. If you're not a part of those things, our men and women's discipleship groups, get a part of them. Hop on in. You don't have to have started from the beginning. Start now. Take one step into your future and make it being a disciple today. I love you. I can't wait to see you. I'll see you next week. See you, church.